the classic room is it, we might as well just call it the punk rock room. Right. You know, <laughs> the, the the metal room. Mm-hmm. Great room you know to take pictures saying? in. Oh my gosh, trust mm-hmm. me. Trust me, it is. See, you know, but that's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. So we can definitely handle that. All right. So welcome. Welcome. I am Rob Wallace, and this is the Zero Noise Podcast, where we engage in progressive discussions about music, life, and everything in between with our guests. This podcast is brought to you by Grove Studios, the 24-7 artist and production workspace. Whether rehearsing for your next show, producing a new song, doing a podcast, or shooting a video, Grove Studios is set up for the independent creator. Right now, Grove is offering subscriptions that can help you get your project or next creation going. To learn more, visit grovestudios.space. This podcast is produced by Project Plugin and shared with all streaming platforms through Captivate. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you are hearing or seeing the podcast. And this is the beginning of our second season of the Zero Noise Podcast. We've decided to do audio only this year, audio only, um, to focus on the medium of audio. And to reduce the editing time. And to reduce the (laughs) editing time, yes. And we can put more out. You know, we can put more out. Last year, we put out 16 and this year, you know, we're looking to double or triple that. So I'm also um, joined by some fantastic people who I will talk about. Um, if this is the first time that you've heard or, well, you won't see this podcast, but you will hear it. Um, I listen to a lot of music, a lot of music, a crap load of music. I've heard a lot of music. I was, I've heard more music than just about everybody else I know. Um Art is not valuable if it does not challenge or if it does not ask or if it does not respond. In my opinion, music decorates time as art decorates space. I ask great people to come and talk to me. Uh, They talk about who they've been and where they've been and what they do. I ask them to be ready to discuss an album that played a role in them becoming them. You won't hear the music we'll discuss for many reasons, but you will never hear it the same afterwards. Therefore, this is a music podcast but it's a people's podcast first. And today, the people, you see how I cut out all that pretentious stuff we talked about last year. Today, <laughs> the people are Kai Five Loops and Lori and Janine from the Amplify Fellowship. And the album is untitled for both of them. As of yet, we haven't got that far. That's right. We are working on it. We are working in that direction. Welcome. Welcome to the Zero Noise Podcast. Let me give you a hand for being Thanks here. Thank you very here. much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So... Where do we start? I think we start with the Amplify Fellowship first, and we talk about what that is a little bit, and then we get into who the two of you are. I'm also joined tonight by the co-founder of the Amplify Fellowship, the, what is it called, the rudder, in a way, (laughs) on the the ship. The steering committee. The steering committee, (laughs) the creative director, Ms. Maya Evans. Thank you for being here, Maya. Everyone, thank you, Happy thank you, thank you. Snaps, okay. So, the Amplify Fellowship, for those of you who don't know, was a program that was started in 2020 um, after a summer of unrest, a summer of questions, a summer of struggles. Um, it began as some questions that were being asked by the good folks at Leon Speakers of which Maya is a part of. And um, Maya 
on behalf of Leon Speakers began to consider what could be done. What could, what is something that could be created that could assist people in continuing to move forward um, in many different ways. And what Maya considered was going and reaching out to the area to find out what kind of musical opportunities there were. And one of the ideas she had was a fellowship. Yeah, well, it was kind of a... Rod and I consider ourselves... Yes, absolutely. There was a lot of ideas kind of floating around at the time. Yes. And a lot of it was arts-based because um, at Leon, we like to all our efforts like arts in the area as well. But... Um, what we really wanted to focus on was redistributing the resources that are already in the area to be able to benefit those who are already doing work. Because it wasn't our time to like go out and make a huge statement and, and be the answer, right? Like the answer yeah. is already here. We just yes. need to elevate that to lift it up. And that's where kind of the word amplified. Absolutely. Being in audio equipment, having Grove, um, who like Grove Studios is just incredibly accessible and pretty entrenched in the Ypsilanti community in general. Um, so that seemed like a natural partnership. Um, is that Ypsilanti needs a little love, and that's yeah. where where we wanted to put the majority of our resources. I completely agree, um, and I think that if even if not to go too deep, but I think even when we go back to that period, there were a lot of people who made statements. There were a lot of people who came out with these social media posts that says, you know, we stand with African-American people as they fight against police brutality. and We stand with this and we stand with that. And my whole thing was always, can you create something that will stand the test of time? Can you create something that is going to um, last? Um, and programming does that. Programming does that. Funding does that um, to a degree if it's strategic. And it's, you know, it wasn't, I, I wouldn't have been here and been involved if I felt like it was only a one-year kind of thing. And we've had the privilege of getting a lot of great support, uh, a lot of growth, uh, not necessarily in the amount of people, but, you know, we still want to go there, you know, grow, grow in that direction. But the amount of support that we've had from not only the music community, but the philanthropic community, as well as just the, the the educational community and the civic community, it's become kind of the badge that I wear as I go about. Um, and But none of it would have been possible last year if we didn't have three fantastic individuals who we worked with. Um, Danny Darling, who released The Future in June. Uh, and I almost, I think I remember the date. It was June 25th when she released hers. And before that, we had Kenyatta Rashan, who released The Art of Keeping It Real Early on June, June 18th. I, oh, okay. Yep. Ah, see, it was such a seminal moment. London also had a sh- had, his, had their Pride show on June 18th. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And then London Beck released the Black Satin Sessions on June 11th. We had an opportunity to capture those those entire projects. Um, I was able to serve as executive producer of all three, but principally my role was just to simply say, what do you need here? 
you know, and I, I, I cherish that opportunity. They did um, a fantastic job in overseeing their own projects. Um, so, you know, uh, we took a little bit of time off. Life happened. Um, you know, life, you know, continued to move forward. And we began an application process in September. We had a lot of great applicants. I remember the conversations that we had going through those applicants. And we chose some finalists. And those finalists auditioned. And now those who won those auditions are sitting with us. And that is Lori and Janine from Detroit originally and Kai Five Loops, who is originally from Ann Arbor. Is that correct? That's right. Excellent. 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 That is the story of Amplify Fellowship. Definitely not going to tell that every time that we, you know, have our, our podcast, whatever. So don't get used to that. So customarily, again, in this podcast, what we do is we talk to people, we talk to people around us uh, and hear from them about not only about what they're doing, but we talked through an album or whatnot that really had a, a, a permanent effect on their lives. And transparency, I didn't proof our fellows about that part of our podcast, but um, instead what we'll talk about is kind of what they've created in the past and what they want to do moving forward. I think that that's a good place to start. So, um, first of all, how are you guys doing? Why don't we both look at each other? Like, oh. <laughs> I'm doing well. I have a lot of new and exciting things happening in my life. So it's almost like I love roller coasters. I know I love But <laughs> the thing about a roller coasters is that you like you don't have time to breathe because it's so much, but it's so fun. So that's really what mm. that's kind of describe what my life is right now. Is I love roller coasters. Um, so my life is currently like a roller coaster ride. It's exciting. Um, Every now and then, it's like, oh, from it. Mm. Mm. We should do an Amplify Super Oh, Ooh. my God. <laughs> Can we please? I would love it. We could. Y'all yeah. don't understand. I love roller coasters. <laughs> cool. Starting to get an idea. So you love roller coasters. <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your favorite roller coaster? The um, Millennium Forest at Cedar Point. Great choice. Yes. Great choice. By far. You know, I've never been on a dragster. Dragster is the one that every time I go there, it breaks down, so I never get to get mm. on. Oh, you I want never to? got. Yes, Whoa. I've been trying to get on for years. Like, right. every time I go there, maybe that's... Maybe that's like the one I don't want. It's, it's pretty yeah. scary. Yeah. Do, do you... It's, it's scary. It's fun, though. <laughs> you, you... Do you consider yourself to be a risk taker? Uh, no. <laughs> ah. That's why I love roller coasters, but I don't feel like I am. I think it depends on the situation, depends on what it is. If it's something that I really believe in and I feel like it needs to have some kind of person to like lead it and take it, then I'll do that. But if it's not that, if it doesn't have like a driving force of motivation behind it or something that I feel like I need to stand for, usually not. Hmm. <laughs> you know. That's interesting. How your love for roller coasters could transition, like how does it translate into your regular life? I think I'm a lot of stuff deep down, but on the surface, people, you know, I'm pretty like my partner. He just said, "You have the best like poker face," like because a lot of times when I'm nervous, you would be able to tell. Like when I'm nervous and when I'm meanwhile in my mind, I'm like, ah. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so in all, it, 
in all transparency, Lorian and I met, Lorian, excuse me, met um, when she was a summer camp counselor with the Upper Bound program that I yes. work in. Um, and she got an opportunity to uh, work with uh, high school students mm-hmm. for five weeks straight and stay overnight mm-hmm. in the dorms. Um, what was that experience like? Well, boy, <laughs> it was a life-changing experience. I I had already been working with youth for some years. I love doing that. I love mentoring, love tutoring. But this was on a whole new level because it was seeing them inside the classroom and outside the classroom and trying to figure out how to handle their situations and their lives and their personalities and things that they were going through at home and then also trying to help them focus on homework. Like, it was, it was really living with teenagers, a, a whole group of teenagers. <laughs> and so I, I learned so much um, about life, about myself, um, about the fact that I, I've always been known to be a patient person, but I realized I was not as patient as I thought I was. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I learned, I learned so much. Um, yeah, I, le- I think I, I've been an empathetic person, but I learned a greater level of empathy. Um, I, and I realized how much I could handle that I didn't realize I could handle. So mm. it, that's just a tiny list of things that I learned from that experience. It's, there were highs, there were lows, mm. and if I had to choose to do it all over again, as rough as it was, I would. Like, 100 times, if, if I needed to, 100 times over, I would do it over and over again because of how much I learned and how much it changed my life. Fantastic. So so let's talk about your life. Born in Detroit. I love Detroit. <laughs> what is it about Detroit that you love so much? I mean, other than it being home. Yeah. I love the architecture that we have. Our buildings are beautiful. I'm not trying to brag. <laughs> I love the music and the art. Um, growing up, I came up. I came up in a musical family, both sides. Singers, like on my dad's side, a lot of singers. Now I'm finding out also artists because I didn't even know. So there are people who paint and um, dance. And then on my mom's side, uh, it was a lot. It was dance. It was music. Like my uncle is a pianist. My other uncle is a drummer professionally my aunt used to dance so it's, it's, it's art everywhere like I grew up around art um mostly gospel jazz and classical those are like my roots and so my mom when I was growing up she used to always take us to events in Detroit she would actually let me skip school to go to like <laughs> cultural and <Ooh>. arts events <laughs> look I can say it now because I graduated graduated college graduated high school so now I can I can the truth can come out she did because she knew how enriching they would be and she knew that like to some extent you know school I went to great schools but it's like I want you to learn more you know Mm. so she every now and then we would skip school and go to like the arts festivals and stuff in Detroit and music events things like that Mm. and those things really shaped a love and appreciation for music and art and um, those music and art from other cultures as well and so so yeah um, that's what I love most about Detroit it's just that it's such a busy place that has like so much going on and so much going on in like art and music. And even now it's a lot of new stuff like coming out of Detroit. So. Absolutely. Um I, I I see that, you know, there was dance, there was music, there was uh Blue Lake. My wife went to Blue Lake. I mean what? who didn't yeah. go to Blue wow. Lake? Wow. 
who didn't go to Blue Lake? Who I what? guess who was in orchestra and all that back in the day. Blue Lake is a story um, in itself as well. Yeah, I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you also talk about uh, your faith and growing up in church. Yep. Um, and I frequently believe that the there is a a, a difference in our understanding of music theory or your your generation's understanding of music theory based on the fact that church is not a, I don't want to call it a proven ground, but it is an alternative method to learn music theory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some would argue the best method because it's connected to, it's versus more Western um, forms of music uh, gospel is connected not only to the theory, but it's connected to the spirit. And I think one thing that we've always done is we've expressed our spirit very clearly through music. So take me back to Lorian in church. Were you singing or were you doing more? Were you doing other things? Was you with the <laughs> What's it called? The streamer the doing the interpretive dance and all that. Mm -hmm. I but, wish. But you were singing, correct? Well, so there's this thing. There's this thing where when you come up in a musical family, everybody tends to do a thing, and that thing becomes their thing. So <laughs> you're not allowed to touch the other things. It's like there. So I was known as the violin person. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I, I always put this, put myself in a box of like, well, my sister is the singer, and ah. my. You know, this sister's a singer, this singer, this sister is the piano player. So that's like my place is violin. So I actually did not sing. I mean, we as as preachers kids, we were in the choir, but it wasn't really like, you know, I wasn't giving my all. I was just it was fun. But I didn't necessarily wanna be you know. But <laughs> I was in the choir for a little bit. Um, but I, I really I just sang because I sang because I was supposed to sing. <laughs> but it wasn't, I wasn't actively trying to improve my voice. I wasn't, I just never thought that singing would be something that I did, if I'm being perfectly honest, because I was the violin person. So what I mostly did in church was serve in other capacities. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, the, the typical things. You help cook, you help, you know, you visit sister so-and-so and like, you know, just typical things. So a lot of people probably would assume that I started singing, singing in church and I really didn't. Um, really, I did violin events. Sometimes my brothers and sisters, we would play at weddings and funerals, and I played violin for those things. I never okay. never sang at those things. So, um, But one thing violin does for you is that it helps you correct your pitch and things like that because you, you are forced to. With violin, you have to you have to make sure you're playing like in the right pitch. <laughs> right. And you have to learn how to tu tune without a tuner. And so violin actually... I didn't realize it, but unconsciously trained my ear. And so, you know, I have really good ears, not necessarily because I, I don't I don't think I have perfect pitch, but I have really good ears because I had to learn that playing violin. So, And that's just one thing. I learned a lot of other things, music theory, violin, mm -hmm. um, how to collaborate with other people, how to make sure your sound is balanced, music theory. Like, or, you know, like violin, Absolutely. all that stuff I learned by playing violin, so I'm grateful that I took that route. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, that's kind of my church upbringing. And church I, was fun. Ironically enough, London from last year played viola. What? And because he, he, I remember them sharing that when they, when as they learned viola, they found the ability to play everything. Mm -hmm. Because I think because of that same pitch issue, and I, I think about when they sing, it's always 
pitch perfect. And mm-hmm. I that's not only a matter of technique, that's just instinct at this point, mm-hmm. too. So that's really interesting. And so what, so you ended up singing. Yes. So tell me about how that happened. That happened because of college. <laughs> so I get to college and I'm now thrown into this, you know, new world where you can just try different things. <laughs> and so college was like the place where I noticed that, or that we used to have open mic nights with this group called Poetry Society. I Shout love out to poetry. The poetry Society. Love Who's Poetry like, Society. P.S. Ain't that like Osaka and them? And, they're no, big, they're was, a big deal. Shout out to Gerard Allen. I think he started that back in the day. Really? Yeah, way wow. back in the day. Gerard, shout out to Gerard Allen. You're an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> I loved going to events on campus because I was used to that growing up. We were always going to events. If it wasn't someone's concert, it was me and my mom going somewhere. Like I was always, so when I got to college, it was like I couldn't. I couldn't live without going to an event or something. So I, every week I tried to go to like movie night, open mic nights, and I would just go for my own entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, you know, I took a I took a risk as you know, about a risk taker. Risk uh, sometimes risk taker. Took a risk, and um, this was actually I, one night. Basically, one night I believe this was God. One night I just wrote a poem. I've never written a poem before, but it just it just happened. Um, it was very like honest and raw and it was just it was kind of not even reflecting my own story but mm-hmm. the story of like my friends around me that sure. I noticed um just them trying to live with this push and pull of like I'm trying to do the right thing but then all these temptations like all of that and stuff that I was just seeing around me and I could truly truly empathize with it so I wrote this poem and I was like all right now I finally have something to use to perform with so I went and I, I was nervous as heck and I performed and people were really like oh my goodness, that was so good. Um, and so that was my first time performing. Then, randomly, um, I decided to join an acapella group that they had there, but I still wasn't singing in the group because they found out I could beatbox. So instead of singing... <laughs> <laughs> instead of what? singing, they had me beatboxing. Oh it's like, no matter what I do, I just can't sing. So then, I was in the acapella group um, for a very short period of time. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> and then that became a whole thing. So I left the acapella group. And then fast forward to the day that I realized, you know, they, I told myself, you know what, you've been doing, I did multiple poems at that okay. point. And I'm like, you know what, let me try to sing a song. Let me try to sing one of my songs because I had written songs that I never felt like I could sing on my own. Okay. The first song I ever wrote I actually asked my friend to sing it for me because I didn't, I wasn't confident in my voice. And it really wasn't, I didn't really have a voice because I wasn't, wasn't singing, I wasn't practicing or anything like that. So I had these songs, didn't have the confidence to sing them myself, so I just never did anything with them. So then one day I said, you know what, let me try to let me try to sing one of my songs. And I went, again, nervous as heck, <laughs> but I did it. And that became the beginning of me singing at open mic nights, like, you know, as often as I could. So, um, so yeah, that's how that happened. Wow. Having the space to actually explore these different parts of myself that I didn't know I had, that's really what gave me the so are you now one of those people that's like singing in the shower oh, yeah. and all that kind of oh, stuff? Yeah. And Everywhere. Acoustics in the shower, if you could ever capture that. <laughs> I also used to, I forget that this is actually something that helped my voice. I used to do a lot of impressions growing up. Like singing impressions. Don't ask me to do one. Don't ask me to do one because every time I say that, people tell me, oh, let me hear one. I'm like, oh. Give me one, You, you please. can't do it on uh, command. 
Like, you can't. You can't. No. Warren, if you don't do that, then you have to beatbox for us. You have to do one or the other. It's been a couple years since I beatboxed. That's all right. It's about to be zero seconds. All right, we'll wait. One or the other. All right, coming up, we got What you got, like a Christina Aguilera? I had some everybody. I had a share. I had a... It was mostly people at my church, too. Like, I would mock sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. Wow. And my family used to be cracking up. Like, that was... I was the person that just mocked everybody. So, I was pretty good at it. So, but I didn't realize that was actually developing my my ability to, like, do different things in my voice. So, when I got to college... I'm realizing like, oh, why don't I just try her run here? Why don't we just try? So I'm pulling from different people's voices to try to like find my own voice. Mm. And it actually, it helped a lot. So, so yeah. You like Rogue from the X-Men. You can just kind of <laughs> take right, from right, other right, people right. and use it for yourself. Yeah, I guess so. Do you, and, and I struggle with this a little bit too. Like, do you feel like you found your true voice? it's completely yours and it's not mm. pulling from anyone else? That is Ooh. such a good question. I would say a couple, my beginning of, like, me beginning to sing, that was, like, my journey. Like, I was, tr- like, what is my voice? Because I realized this was probably, like, freshman year of college, um, freshman or sophomore year when I was, like, singing at different events. I was, like, I'm literally pulling from my sister's voice for this, or my sister's voice for this song. And my, the country singer that I like from the, and I'm, like, what's my voice? What's my voice? So this has been a journey to find my own voice. And I realized that I have multiple voices. Like, you know how we have multiple parts of our personality? Absolutely. So that's what I'm realizing. There is no, there's not a one. It's like four different ones that I have. And those are a combination of other people. So I don't even know if that answers it. Um, But yes, that's a conclusion that I just recently came to. Like, you know what? I have a jazz voice. I have a country voice. And I have a... Uh, a worship voice like when I sing at church there's a different voice that I sing versus when I'm singing a jazz song or you know so I have like four different ones but I think those are mine but those are inspired by others so mm-hmm. I guess that's my answer wow I, I'm going to hear one of these other voices at some <laughs> point I'm sorry that's that's really cool though because um, we you know we're shout out to Formula 734 we're working with young men right now on refining their skills to rap mm-hmm. and talking to them through, to, to see themselves through the lens of the, the rappers that they listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think we all kind of started by mimicking somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to use that to find your voice is extremely important. Um, I want to talk a little bit about school, which you got about, what, 72 hours left? Yes. At at the time of the well, no, I can't even say that because this will probably be afterwards. When this goes to press, you will be a college graduate. (laughs) With a degree in special education, cognitive impairment. Wow. Why special ed? Oh, the brief version of that. (laughs) The very brief version of that. Um my mother, when I was younger, she used to babysit for special needs kids. Like she used to take me with her. And I developed an understanding, I guess you could say, uh, a compassion uh, and an ability to work with people with special needs because of those experiences. Um, I, even though I had those experiences, I actually was not expecting to major in it. When I came to college, I was thinking, like, maybe elementary. I was still trying to figure it out. Okay. I definitely was not thinking special ed, even though I had those experiences. Um, but I took a class that, like, changed my life. 
um, it was an introduction to disabilities course, one of the gen ed courses that you have to take as an um, education major. Sure. And the professor was amazing. The class was amazing. And it was really looking who, at... Who was the professor? Jason. Got to give flowers. Yeah. J- Jason. Oh, my God. Oh, you can't give me flowers. Oh, Jason. What was that Shout name? out to Professor Jason. Jason. And we used to just call him Jason. So Shout I, out to Professor Jason. Professor Jason. Jason. That's Jason. Professor Jason. Yes. Right. I love Professor Jason. He was awesome. <laughs> the class was great. It, it, called, it basically was a class that caused you to look at disability from a completely different lens. Um, and it was just it was just mind-blowing. And so at Good. the end of that class, at the end of the semester, he came up to me and he was like, you seem like you really enjoy this class or, you know, you really enjoyed the projects because the project that we got was, like, super fun to me. I think I was the only one in class that was, like, just, like, so excited to yeah, do right. this project. Right. And the project was basically you create your own scenario of what you might experience in a classroom and you have to come up with multiple solutions to how to like solve the problems or whatever. And I was just like, boom, 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 boom. Like I was having the time of my life. And he was like, you seem like you really enjoy the project. Have you considered special ed? And I was like, no. He was like, well, you should. Literally weeks later, I switched my major and I never switched it back. So so that was it. It just took that moment of realizing like, wow, you really, this is where, this is where you shine. And really in a, in special ed classrooms, it's problem, 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 and the solution, solution. It's just like right. all day pro- trying to figure out stuff. So I don't know. I guess in a way, I, I enjoy puzzles. But not actual puzzles, but people puzzles. Right, 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 right. That's that's outstanding. Um, I had my first opportunity teaching students, teaching prospective teachers this mm-hmm. last semester. And the level of optimism and hope that you work with um, and working with prospective teachers is just mind-blowing. And, you know, obviously you exhibit that. And it's been especially challenging in lieu of what has happened recently here with Oxford. And, you know, as well as, you know, I will tell you that, you know, this is probably one of the most challenging times to go into the teaching field. Oh, yeah. Um, Probably the most time, at least during my life, um, you know, during many people's lives. But um, it takes a person who is optimistic and hopeful and who has a heart that's built around service in order to be able to do this. To be honest, um, there, there's a lot, when you teach special needs kids, there's a lot you learn about humanity. Absolutely. <laughs> there's a lot. And teaching in general, there's a lot that you learn, but specifically when you work with special needs kids, you learn a lot about just humans. And one, one of the things I was telling my partner about is, like, you realize that you, these kids are displaying the same things that we experience on the inside but they just don't have the self-control to not display it so like when one is throwing a tantrum you know you realize wait when i'm on a roll and somebody cuts me off i'm really doing that too it's just i have the ability to (laughs) to not display it so it's just a lot it's a lot of things i could do a whole course about just how your perspective uh, grows in it so i'm I, i guess the biggest question that i can ask today is um, as we start to look towards this project, potentially that you want to do, um, is are you gonna beatbox on the album? <laughs> what? Let's just change. Oh you know. Let's ask God. the real questions. Sure, sure. Are you going to Let's be? Get no, to the nitty gritty. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. So, what I would, what we were able to do, and what I believe about albums, I am a fan of albums, like projects that have some level of cohesion. It's not a collection of songs or anything like that. Because I believe believe that albums capture 
thoughts and events in a way that is very unique. Last year, keep talking about last year, everybody was going through a bit of a transition in a way. Okay? What kind of transition do you think you are going... And I mean, we're still going to be going through this for six months here. You got, you know, basically four months of music creation to find this, but... What kind of things do you want to capture about yourself and share with people um, with this project? <laughs> um, I think that... Great question. I think there's a lot of things about me that people would never know unless they... Unless I had the opportunity to tell the story mm-hmm. or somebody asked me, like, so what is or what, what have you experienced in life or what have you seen? What's your perspective on this? And so I guess this is a way for me to my use my voice to share what I've seen, what I've heard, my perspective on things mm-hmm. pertaining to life, people, um, just a lot of different things. Just having, I feel like this is just an opportunity to share my thoughts about the world. Right. <laughs> share my thoughts about the world. Um, and in some cases, uplift people about the things that they may feel hopeless about. And, um, yeah, I guess that's a, a very generic <laughs> response. But that's that's really how I just see it as it's like a microphone. When somebody passes the mic to you and you're like, okay, yeah, right. now I'm going to just stay with <laughs> But, uh, you know, so all these things about my life. I know some of the things you'll hear is some things about education, mm-hmm. some things about my about spirituality. Um, about faith, love, um, the journey to love yourself, mm. um, the things that you see in other people that you don't see about yourself, but you're you like literally when you <laughs> when people do certain things, you realize that it's also you. Like just that whole concept of you're me, I'm you. I think that's a really big, uh, really important thing that I something that I find very important is just helping something I try to tell myself, like, remember, they're you. You're, you know, literally, you just felt this yesterday, so have compassion, or you just went through this yesterday. So, you know, so that those are some of the things that I know you'll hear in my music, some of the many things. So we'll hear a little bit of everything. From a production standpoint, we'll probably hear a little bit of everything. Yes, of country. <laughs> oh! I love country, yes. Country. Different styles. I hope. I hope that can I can you, do this. Can you imitate a country? Carrie like Underwood. A- I've tried. I've tried to do Carrie. <laughs> I've tried to do... Um, I've tried to do Dolly. <laughs> okay. I've tried. I don't know if I've succeeded, but... Um, I really like Tim McGraw. It's hard to do male voices. Like, I've not... Seen Absolutely, I get it. You know, so, but yeah, some uh, different styles because... Yeah, because that's just who I am. I think that um, what's going to make the biggest difference, um, one thing that is a part of the fabric of what we support is good songwriting. Good songwriting. Um, so we're looking for we're looking forward to some great music. We got a lot of great collaborators that are kind of circling this whole thing right now um, and really just learning about you. There's going to be some things that you're going to kind of weigh whether or not you should talk about them. And I think that when you get to that point, I think that you will become Lori and Janine. And, and you'll make the right choice. Yeah, well, so. they're learning me. I'm also learning myself. 
Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be a journey for both of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But let's get over to Mr. Loops. The one, the only. <laughs> and we've I, we've talked about. Oh, you got a bracelet? I want a bracelet. Yeah, just 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 got these. These were a birthday man. present. Those are I great. I love those. I mean, Thank you. you got like merch going Literally, on. Got merch. So far, these are just for me. But yeah, I, eventually, long long term, I was just telling Maya the other day. I was like, can we find someone who like does like wristbands? Because I decided that um, after doing a show. In June, actually on uh, Juneteenth, I was wearing like like red and green uh-huh. uh, wristbands and like and leaving like like space in the middle, like representing like the black in the center there. Um, I was I was ever since then I've been like performing with wristbands and then okay. like and then like weekdays and I, I was like you know what I'm gonna put my wristbands on and like now now if it, it feels like I use these like to help me like <laughs> I don't know it's like it's like face it's like. Yeah. Helping to face the world, like not not as like armor, but like kind of like putting on like a necklace or something. Like like this is who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you feel like the man all the time. That's right. right. Do you like throw the wristbands in the audience after you perform Ooh. or something? You gonna start doing that? We, we gonna we gonna get there once <laughs> when I play Lala. That's what we're gonna do. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Kai Five Loops from so, Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's right. I want you to finish this sentence. High Five Loops is on a journey to self-discovery through music and making as much of it as you can more than ever for the people in the very community that he grew up. Tell me about the community that you grew up in. So growing up in Ann Arbor, I had a lot of opportunities to meet uh, really cool people, a lot of people who uh, were involved in uh, the arts in different capacities, um, going to a private school actually from third grade through ninth grade, Rudolph Steiner, everybody sang. You're a Steiner kid? I'm a Steiner kid. (laughs) You might know my stepbrothers then. Probably. Uh, Robert and Matt Jones. Robert. Shout out to Robert and Matt Jones. <laughs> Shout out to Robert and Matt, Matt Jones. Not ringing a bell. I, uh, I need one of them horns. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry no, for the interruption. No, no, no. It's all, all good. Um, yeah, I timing-wise, probably, we probably just like didn't overlap exactly. But yeah, other than uh, singing, everyone played instruments and everybody uh, did... Uh, like hand hand working things like sewing and knitting so I know how to sew knit wow. crochet all that all that fun stuff doing woodwork I've made spoons I've carved boxes I've made a, a stool before use a sewing machine to sew pants so like, lots lots of uh, activities that are just like good good to know how to do like in the world and can you do like embroidery too um no, but the the idea of doing it doesn't scare me because you, I've done many similar things. You know what you should do? What? When you get famous, mm-hmm. you should 
crochet your own wristbands <laughs> and hike up the price. Look, I got okay. the price. Boom. Right? Made. These were made, made by, by the looper himself. Right, exactly. Right. Correct. Put them, on pa- put them on Patreon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. That's right. The top tier, you get some some Kai Five made merch. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, really similarly to uh, Lorian, but uh, different in some ways. I, I was there's so many parallels in our stories here. So I'm the youngest of five. Wow. Kai Five, get it? Um, and wait, is everybody else? I know we talked told this story, but is is does everybody else's name start with Kai? No. Doesn't start with K either. No. Okay. Uh, Everyone, everyone does have different. Uh, we'll we'll say everyone has atypical names. Uh, where uh, Kyler is actually probably the most common name out of all my siblings, uh, okay. because my mo- my mother grew up in a class. Uh, she was uh, her name was Barbara, and she was in a class of three Barbaras, and she was like, "This is not going to happen to my kids." Mm-hmm. So my siblings are uh, in descending order: Tamario, Shantori, Kristan, Tabriana, and Kyler. Shout out to Tabriana. You need to say them names. Right. <laughs> That's right, right. Tamario. Shout out to Tamario. Shantori. Shout out to Shantori. Kristan. Shout out to Kristan. Tabriana. Shout out to Tab- Tabriana. Yeah. And shout out to Kyla. That's right. That's right. That's I, the I love five. it. Yeah. That's I love right. it. The, the, the five. Were, That's they, right. Five. Number five of five. So uh, we we all played instruments. Uh, actually, four of us played strings. Okay. Um, uh, most, mostly violin uh, starting. So I did violin. Um, as as young as I can remember, really, uh, doing some Suzuki training. Oh, uh, Suzuki. Suzuki. <laughs> uh, that's the stuff. And what is Suzuki training? Uh, a specific uh, style of like learning how to play music. There's like Suzuki for violin. I think also for like other instruments. I probably piano as well. Just like a, a system. Okay. It's a system of training. Um, and. Yeah, I, I had examples of people playing violin to kind of like look up to. So I was like young, doing recitals, got used to performing and wasn't singing on my own or really looking to do that uh, until kind of picking up uh, guitar in high school um, because it looks like fun. And after learning violin and kind of getting better with like pitch and everything. Crazy. Based um, on my theory from ba- ba- Exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, also having a background going to church and having like that kind of music influence, just like uh, subtly absorbing it every every week from people who know what they're doing, playing live in front of you. Um, I just didn't realize how much music and uh, really, uh, aside from like, you know, being able to sing on my own, the understanding of harmony that would be central to what I do now. Absolutely. It um, is. And playing with my siblings, like we would perform together sometimes, and I uh, just got got used to being able to hold my own musically. So in high school, when I saw um, my friends singing in acapella groups, I was like, "That looks like fun! I want to do that." So I joined an acapella group senior year of high school. Not us being twins. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, and then I did that all through college and loved it and started doing arrangements for a co-ed acapella group called State of Fifths at Michigan State. Shout out to State of Fifths. Shout out to State of Fifths. Shout um, out to Michigan State. Did, when was you in Michigan State? I went there from 2009 to 2014. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. What'd you study specifically? So I studied computer engineering. Okay. Uh, so that was that was the um the kind of the practicality uh kicking in after after high school where I was always interested in music things. I didn't really consider uh studying music mm-hmm. because if I had at the time, like, you know, I was only singing in that extracurricular. Um, you know, I was playing viola in symphony orchestra and uh, my teacher, uh, a awesome, awesome violist named uh, John Madison, um, who often uh, subs or subbed with the Detroit symphony. He said, like, he's like, you're good enough to keep playing. And it's like, right. you know, like, you're good enough to do this for real. But I didn't like practicing the viola enough. And like I, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was really fun to know what I'm doing, but I wasn't in a place with viola that I really wanted to work at it and such. Uh, where I would realize later, my voice was a thing I would want to do that felt really connected to me. But violin and viola, it was always like, oh yeah, good, good to know. And I liked, I liked knowing things, but I didn't like pushing myself with it. Whereas right. I, I want to push myself with my voice now. But we'll get there. Um, so I studied computer engineering. Right. Um, to have a uh, evergreen degree, so to speak, and to be a part of a growing field, mm-hmm. probably get into either software development or electrical engineering. Um, that's the flexibility of computer engineering, right? Kind of in the center of those two things. And I worked out of college as a software developer, um, doing music on the side and uh, really missing my acapella group, and that's when I saw people looping and right. such online, just with their voices, and I was like, "That is so cool! I need to be doing that." So, one question I do have for you is: Have you seen the Kimbra uh, playing Gold Ring? Video, yes. Right. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the most powerful like looping videos mm-hmm. on the internet. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you feel the same way. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah. I've seen I've seen a few of her videos. I need to go back and watch now um, because the the further I get as far as like just the experience looping, the more I can see people who've been doing it for a while as well, and like and know exactly what's going on, or like pick up a few things that I wouldn't have been able to do when I first started. Now it could be just like, oh, okay, I have an idea how I could translate that or apply it to the music that I want to make. Definitely. So. One of the things that was, um, I'm gonna pause there for one second. Let me check on my kids. Yep. And then good idea. We'll talk about that. <laughs> good, idea. Good, good idea. Oh. Ah. I mean, they're good. What the heck, Kyler? What the? No. What the heck? Yeah. I don't know. Why did we ever come have this conversation? I Which know. That's right. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're having this conversation now. Exactly. Hey. Exactly. We're doing it. We're doing it for the people. <laughs> for the people. I, honestly, if somebody asks what my favorite string instrument is, mm-hmm. honestly, it's the cello, <laughs> which is Same. I love. Same. The sound of the, the cello. cello. Cello like, is gorgeous. It's right like chocolate range. milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. good. So, but I knew I wasn't built for the cello. <laughs> I wasn't built for it, so you know it is what it mm-hmm. is. But love the cello. I, I, I consider viola because I'm like, oh, it's rare. And typically people get more scholarship for that too because it's rare from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I was like, nah, I'm just stick with violin. 
Sure. Yeah. When's the last time you played Byland? Oh boy. I've been getting a lot of people this year. <laughs> him over there telling me, pick it back up, pick it back up. But since the last time I played, played uh -huh. uh, with purpose and passion, it was probably <laughs> 2000, right, 2017? Right. Thank you. 2017, I would say. Okay. What you do. What you do is driven by technology. Um, or technology gives you the ability to convey it. I like that. I like that definition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't... Basically, my whole theory and mindset mm -hmm. about education, I don't know if we talked about this, is that if you teach kids how to use equipment to create music. Yeah. It is an entry point to STEM, mm. to learning technology, mm -hmm. to computer engineering, to coding, to all that. Right, right. Um, my, my dissertation is kind of rotating around that right now, but it's not <laughs> quite there. Um, but like how has, you have a computer engineering background. Mm -hmm. How has, you know, acapella was, you know, acapella is very organic in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely can be. You know, how has technology kind of accentuated your vision for, like, why don't you just make beats? Why don't you just make beats? And because you have music, you understand music theory, mm -hmm. you understand technology, at least from my theoretical perspective, mm -hmm. why not just make beats and sing on your beats? Right. So I love the human voice so much that I want to show what it's capable of on its own. That to me is actually more interesting a lot of the time than adding in other instrumentation. Uh, I was kind of reminded of this while Lauren was talking about doing different impressions, but acapella groups, uh, especially co-ed acapella groups, are stronger because of the varying voice types that they have, a bass, baritone, alto, soprano, right. mm -hmm. everything in between, and beatboxers. And with the loop station, I'm able to do all those things at the same time, I'm able to do my impression, like my my best bass, my best mid-range, my best lead vocal, my best high floaty soprano-esque and alto-esque harmonies. So uh, in that sense, I'm always trying to do my best to not put the technology first, but- Shout, shout out to Amtrak. Shout out, shout out to Amtrak. <laughs> Sorry. We don't, we don't they, sleep. They are a fixture. It's a fixture. That's right. It's okay. Right. It's a it's a feature too. Yes. They is. don't sleep. They don't quit. They get you from A to B. Right. And right, track. Right. Shout out. Product placement. <laughs> They've shown up in. You know, it's a long story. They've shown up in everything that Yo, we've done. I can't. I can't wait to get Amtrak on my album. But we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah. 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 Um, right. But. Yeah. That's why I love I love the Loop Station because I'm able to in real time put all those things together and let them let them shine on their own and, and together simultaneously. Uh, and for me, 
I'm so happy to be able to, to make it about something very human because I get to show off the human spirit through technology and the the very first kind of primitive idea where the name Kai Five came from, even though it is very convenient that I'm the youngest of five mm -hmm. uh, siblings, is I use an RC505. That's a five track loop station because mm -hmm. I was thinking about like, this is how I literally like split myself up and leave myself behind out in the world. And like, and I was just like, oh, that makes so much sense for me. I am Kai Five. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So you leave state? Yes. You have you, you have a degree in computer programming? Computer engineering. Computer yeah. engineering, excuse mm -hmm. me. And what happens? So I go down to Springfield, Illinois, okay. uh, working my first job as a implementation consultant, uh, basically doing tax software uh, at the uh, one of like the kind of like states, uh, state like tax, uh, wait, what was it? Uh, Illinois, like center of revenue or whatever. Okay. I try not to think about it anymore. So Does it, did it suck as bad as it sounds? You can barely get it out. I'm sorry. This sounds like did it, it sucked to it, the heavens. Did it suck as bad as it sounds? No comments. Um, Shout out to Illinois state was, government. It was really difficult. It was it was really difficult. Okay. Um, it was definitely, uh, definitely definitely a challenging time, especially starting without kind of that uh, established like social component that came over time. Like really having friends in the area, mm -hmm. not having any music there. Wow. Um, yeah. My time at uh, state doing the acapella group for uh, five years, since I intentionally took five years to do my degree, um, I I basically, my real major was in acapella and like everything else kind of came secondary to that because of how much time and energy we put into it. Uh, and we, we loved it and we focused on how can we get better every year? How can we do more and more and more? And then for all that to end and, you know, the work day ends hopefully after eight hours, but not all the time. And then right. like, you know, you go back and it's like, man, I really miss like making the kind of music with my voice, you know, with people, um, which is, you know, it was a few, few months until the loop station came into it. Uh, so I was kind of dreaming about like what different things I could do, um, singing and playing guitar. And I did that with someone from work for a while. That was fun. Um, but it wasn't until I started really singing again. Uh, with the loop station doing something new that I started to really feel alive. Were you able to mu use making music at all during that time to kind of like be free or? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was. Okay. Yeah, I was okay. I was like doing cover videos and such. Okay. Writing some songs then. Um, and uh, that's that's just it. Like it was like, it was fine. It was fine. It was like similar to what I would do like in, in high school, like after school, if I had to, you know, some extra time, say, oh, I'm gonna like learn how to play this song. I think in that time period, it was a handful of like need to breathe songs right. and of monsters and men. And um, I think, you know, uh, the occasional like Sam Smith cover, just like you know yeah, things, yeah. things that were coming into like my atmospheres. It's like, oh, I like that. I'm gonna recreate that and such. But like, I wasn't even putting those like out anywhere. Like, 
I wasn't even doing YouTube videos and stuff much. So, so they say that in any DAW, like digital audio mm-hmm. workstation, you know, Pro Tools, whatever, mm-hmm. they say that people who are experts only really use 30%, if that, of the, the DAW. Sure. At what point do you, or at what point did you feel as though you had kind of mastered your square in terms of the use of that piece of equipment? The loop station? Yeah. I think about I think about a year and a half, two years ago. Okay. Um, and that's uh, I'm about to come up. I think it's been about six and a half years since I got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I very much uh, up to this point have uh, a really really solid understanding of the basics and all the things that the loop station can do mm-hmm. and yet i only focus on outside of the core functionality a few of the possible effects and combinations of effects because for me they get in the way more than they help so still sucks. like 40 percent or yeah. whatever yeah yeah and that's just that's just kind of how that's things that's work. yeah that's just that's just how it is i yeah. mean having for me when i when i first saw you i saw you at ziggy's back in oh, okay yeah 2019 that was the first mm-hmm. time i'd ever seen you. Mm-hmm. i think the day nights performed yeah um to have the confidence to perform with a piece of technology Mm -hmm. and not you know it's different than you know playing the piano or you know playing the drums or whatever Mm -hmm. because there is an entire skill set that's built around learning how to use that and to be performative with it was something that was extremely impressive to me so and that's why i asked that question because you were Mm -hmm. able to do like you know you were able to do mutes and all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff and you know take things in and take things out and it was really like i felt like it was more of an experience mm. than i would have felt if it was i was just watching a band play right. so shout outs to you for that so thank you it's great to hear absolutely absolutely so your act mm-hmm. works well in this environment um of course i think it could translate anywhere but you grew as a musician in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Yes. What has Ann Arbor meant to you, and really Washtenaw County in general? And when mm-hmm. we say Washtenaw County, what we're really saying is Ann Arbor and Ipsy. Let's just keep it a buck. No disrespect to Chelsea and all. You know, <laughs> Chelsea and, deserves a lot of disrespect. So <laughs> that is I, you know, I don't even want to be like that. But I'm saying, like, I don't know if you ever did any sets or shows out in Chelsea. Have you? Or I've not. What about Dexter? No Dexter yet. Mylan or Selena. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm and again, not no judgment. I'm just saying, whenever <laughs> I say Washington, County, what right. I'm really I feel like what I'm really saying is Ipsy and Ann Arbor. But right. we're trying to maybe we can change that one day. Um What does Ann Arbor like how did Ann Arbor play a role in your cultivation mm-hmm. of a musician? Yeah. As a musician. Right. So it starts um from when I was young, being able just to see it, to like to hold these events, like going to like summer festival every summer and just being able to like, I would be out there hanging out with my friends and different people playing sets on the multiple stages that they have there, uh, seeing people uh, both like, you know, big, big bands and people who are solo. Um, and uh, actually a shout out to uh, high school classmate Dan Hinnick, who I saw out there, he actually did some looping. Um, I remember he played a shout out to Dan 
little little set um, in the uh, the little beer garden um, uh, where he did did some looping, and he was always someone um, who was like my same age, who was like out there trying to get it like right from when we left high school, just like I'm gonna make music my thing. So it was inspiring to see. So it was really a matter of me wanting to show up in Ann Arbor and Ipsy was like, yeah, we got you. Like you need a place to play. Like, all right, here's this place, yep. that place. And then, you know, kind of, uh, pairing my progression with the further development of places that were coming up in the community. So like when seven, three, four brewing opened up, they were new. I was kind of new to performing around the area. Yeah. And so like, we just like talked to each other. So it's like, Hey, it's like, are you guys interested in having musicians come in? And they're like, yeah, sure, come on in. And like being able to use this community as like a space to both like uh, work on my skills and get my name yeah. out there and everything, right. that's that's been just huge. Shout out to Brian Jones, Chance, and the Association for the Businesses of Color here Absolutely. in MC. Absolutely. And shout out to um, 734 Brewing. That's where we did the first Dirty 30. And all that stuff. And it was just, they just did the same thing for us. Dirty 30 was, we give you a sample, you got 30 minutes to make a beat out of it. And we'll listen to the beats and, you know, we'll mm. have some judges and whoever makes the best beat will win whatever money we collect that night. Awesome. And wow. they were like, okay. They just kind of said, okay, you, that's what you want to do? Come do it. Yeah. And we did. So it was fantastic. So shout out to 734 Bruin. Yeah. Um. So because of that, that's why our initial discussions about your project has been about kind of encapsulating all of these diverse sounds in Ipsy and Iron Arbor. So let me back up a little bit. I think that I've always felt that since I've been back here the last four years, the strength of the place is the diversity of the place. Like the diversity, uh -huh. not only the diversity of the people, um, but also the diversity of music and how easy it is for all these different types of music to intermingle in a way. So I would love to, my, my, when we brought you on, one of the reasons was we just felt like you were a good centerpiece to be able to engage with all these different kind of diverse sounds to see what would happen. Um, what, like, when you visualize what a project like that would look like, like, mm -hmm. what kind of things come to mind for you? Like, what, what, mm -hmm. I guess, well, I'll, I'll just say that first. Like, how do you, how does that sound? What did you, what was your reaction to that thought? You know, tell yeah. me what you, tell me where you were. Yeah, I'm really excited by that notion of expanding, uh, expanding and, and using the diversity of like who's right next door to make something really, really strong. Um, I think, uh, sometimes it feels because I do mostly acapella stuff that like, it's like, I have something against instruments, but I actually love instrumentation. It's just that my, I know my personal specialty all revolves around the voice. Absolutely. What, it, what excites me about doing a project that's more collaborative is a, even if it's just other singers, we get some vocals, yes. uh, vocal diversity on any particular track but also expanding into like different people who play uh, instruments, frankly, better than I could. Sure. And also give me new ideas, like things that neither one of us would have come up with on our own. That is the uh, the bread and butter. That is that is the 
the strength of collaboration Absolutely. is that like we do things together that we couldn't do and wouldn't do on our own quite frankly right so i'm really really excited to use what's kind of always been at our fingertips which is like circles back around to the point of amplify is like you know take a signal and make it stronger absolutely like, i've been out here kind of like by myself like me against the world we're making absolutely. we're making everything we're using our voice we're Perfect. going we're going forward and like it amplifies coming like you don't have to do everything yourself and it's like all right like let's 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 make something together like let's let's yes. help each other out so yes. i think uh, i'm really excited uh for myself to grow by making space and like letting other people come in and enhance yes. me and i want to do my best to enhance other people and, and to lift them up absolutely and still be able to keep that voice yeah being able to keep that at the center yeah and being able to really honor that just as we want to honor this place geographically mm -hmm. honoring that voice as you know really not just honoring it but cherishing it and showing what its capabilities are mm -hmm. i'm all in for that. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, what is your perfect situation? Like, from a musical standpoint, like, well, you know, where do you want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in five, five years? I want, I want to be able to play play out and about as much as i want to at that time that that would be really fun i want to be uh making a comfortable living off just my music i want to be doing really interesting projects mm -hmm. i want to be collaborating with really interesting people um and uh as well as playing locally i want to be able to travel and do and do tours centered, centered around music and also have the ability to do uh, some workshops here and there because I think to uh, to teach to teach other people I think is to really display um, your understanding of something uh, and and also as a way to not take it for granted either because uh, I'm uh, the the loop station thing for me didn't just happen and one of the things i'm doing now uh working with the neutral zone is like uh helping to spread just like the awareness that, like people can make their own music themselves shout out to the neutral zone yeah and like be able to grow grow themselves uh in ways that they didn't necessarily know were possible Excellent. so that that to me that's that sounds like my perfect situation so I, well, oh, yeah, go ahead go ahead you got it um thought it was kind of funny that I ran into you at the Neutral Zone show mm. because uh, the opener, Kiko, whatever her name was, yeah. like she kind of reminds me of like what I feel like as more artistic and with the voice and with repetition, like somewhere that you would like to be. So like mm, uh -huh. being like so that you can tour musically, but you can also do things like compose for like the New York LA. Yeah, I did like, think that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And just like kind of her writing is at the center of everything. Mm -hmm. And then like just music things are happening around her. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, that was really cool. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. I personally, um, I really would like to see you 
get engaged in sync licensing. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. I, I absolutely can see you. You know, I think about the Seinfeld theme song a little bit. <laughs> and it got a little bass on it. But I'm thinking like I could see you completely like having like you know placements on PBS specials mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know because because the music that you make is good, it's unique, and mm-hmm. it's honoring of the human spirit again. So mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the tie and bind between both of you is that this cohort is really built around touching people's lives. Not that our last one was not. There was, um, you know, there was a great deal of connections and connectivity built from what um, our fellows built last year. But as we continue to grow this organization, I think that you guys represented what our strategic plan was pointing us towards our next step was to make sure that uh, we brought in people for this one who could help us augment the community service aspect and element mm-hmm. as well. So mm-hmm. shouts out to Kai five Luke's shouts out to Lori and Janine. Let's start with two Kai five. Where can people connect with you? Um, they can connect uh, with me everywhere on the internet at Kai five loops. That is Kai five loops.com. On Instagram, that's where I hang out the most. You can find me at Kai5Loops. And on Facebook, you can find me at Kai5Loops. Excellent. And Laurie and Janine. Laurie and Janine, yeah. And Laurie and Janine on YouTube and Laurie and Janine on Instagram. Okay. Fantastic. So. I also, I'm sorry, I wanted to, I just remembered my professor's name. <laughs> Jason DeCamelis. Jason Jason DeCamelis. Shut the door. Jason DeCamelis. That was my favorite. Uh-oh. <laughs> say it. Wait, wait. If, if say you, it louder. Jason DeCamelis. He changed my life. He changed my life. Say it louder. You Jason DeCamelis. You know who Jason DeCamelis is? I hope. I hope. Jason DeCamelis. Is in my PhD cohort. What? Let me, let me, let me pop my collar like, like they did back in the day. He is in my PhD <laughs> cohort and sat next to me in every class what? that we took together. Get out of here. Shouts out to Jason DeCamel. He's so cool. So he is, chill. He is, he is a best. monster. And I mean he that. Be doing his He's an academic monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is fantastic. I'm going to call him when we leave here today. Please do tell him I said hello. He is never forgotten, ever. Shouts out to Jason DeCamelis and the, the the Big Ten uh, cohort. And shouts out to Lori and Janine and Kai Five Loops, our 2022 Amplify Fellows. Uh, we have a lot of great things in store, um, and they're going to be creating music, and we want to make sure that we take everyone along on the journey with us. It is becoming more real every day. You know, things like this, just, you know... Um, just make it even more real. We want to thank our sponsors one more time, Grove Studios, as well as Leon Speakers. Um, and again, um, this pro- this podcast was produced by Project Plugin. Um, any last words? Ominous. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 way, the way you said any last words. <laughs> any, any last words. Um, I think uh, Lauren's going to beatbox us out. Oh my God! Go I should have known somebody was gonna put me on Five, the spot. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, 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 oh,
Zero Noise oh. podcast wow. first and the actual performance. Everything. So Everything. we're going to sit here, uh, and I, I know we're about to roll out, but we're going to sit here in six months, and we're going to talk about this music. And I'm going to have you listen to this before we before we meet again. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, hopefully, this whole thing will be a transformative experience for both of us. So un- until next time, this is Rob Wallace for the Zero Noise Podcast. Uh, support the artists and the artisans around you because if the music stops, everything else does. Peace. <laughs>